chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. This morning in Sunday school, we read the story of the resurrection from the book of Mark. But now I want us to look at it in the book of Luke. And I want to point something out to you in this passage. And I want to share a message that I hope will be a challenge to you today. I want to, I want to challenge you today and, and be a help at the same time. And Luke chapter 24, verse 1 says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with him. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how He spake unto you when He was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered His words. I want you to notice that last part we just said. And they remembered His words. This was a very dark time for the disciples of Christ and all of His followers. Think about it. The one that they had left all for. Remember how the Bible says Jesus came and said, follow Me? And they left their nets. They left their occupations. They left their possessions behind. And they followed after Christ. And for three years, they had given their lives to following Jesus. And really, at now at this, this point, their Messiah is dead. The one that they've been following, He's dead. He's been killed. He's been executed in a horrible way. And they knew that it was probably only a matter of time and they were going to be dead too. They were going to try to get rid of any of those followers. They were going to stop that movement that had been going on. They were going to stop it once and for all. And they knew that if they got found, they were probably going to be killed. And it looked like their only chance of survival would probably be just to go on the run. To leave Israel and try to go somewhere where nobody knows who they are. But the truth is, they never really had anything to worry about, did they? Now, you and I know that after the fact, right? Because we've read the whole story. We know they had nothing to worry about. But really, the reason they were worried was they had forgotten the words of the Lord Jesus. Notice how the angel said, Remember how He spake unto you. Look over at Matthew chapter 17 and verse 22. Matthew chapter 17, verse 22 says, And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill Him. And the third day He shall be raised again, and they were exceeding sorry. So do you all see that Jesus told them exactly what was going to happen? He said, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of men. Judas betrayed Him, didn't He? Jesus said, I'm going to be killed. And they killed Him, didn't they? So, you would think if the betrayal happened like Jesus said, you'd think if the dying happened like Jesus said, you would think that on the third day, they would have been expecting the resurrection, right? But they weren't expecting the resurrection. You know, the truth is, they forgot. And then when the angels reminded them of what Jesus had told them, all of a sudden it clicked. They remembered His words. They realized this is this was supposed to happen. This was exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. And when I got to the, when I was reading that, the thought that came to my mind is how many things do we as Christians, as followers of Christ, worry about every day 
obsess about. And Jesus gave us promises concerning those things. He told us what was going to happen. He told us what the outcome was going to be. And yet, we still worry. Because we see that the disciples had nothing to worry about. Yes, they killed Jesus, but that was necessary. He had to do that. And they should have known that from the Scriptures. Jesus explained that it was going to happen. They never had anything to worry about, but boy, did they ever worry. And how many times have you and I, we just worried and obsessed about something and then it turned out we had nothing to worry about? What we thought was going to happen didn't happen. We went through all that for absolutely nothing. And then it's like after it happens, after we go through that, we'll remember one of Christ's promises. We'll remember, you know, he... This is exactly what He said He will do. He just kept His promise again. And I want us to look at some things that Jesus told His disciples, that He's told us to do. Some of the words of Jesus that I think we need to remember today. Things that I'm afraid after the fact, in the end, we'll remember them then, but I think we're supposed to remember them right now. Many people are going to remember when it's too late to do anything about it. By the time the disciples remembered Jesus' words... The resurrection had already happened. They weren't there for it. They didn't get to see it. They missed the greatest event in all of human history because they forgot the words of the Lord Jesus. What an opportunity they missed. And I believe if we're not careful, there's some opportunities that we're going to miss if we do like the disciples and forget the words of the Lord Jesus. Now I want us to look at some of these things. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto Me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Go ye therefore. I want you to notice that. What we have been commanded to do, this is, this is what's known as the Great Commission. We have been commissioned to go and tell everyone the Gospel. It is our job. Okay, It's not just the pastor's job. It's your job as a believer to tell other people about Christ. And let me tell you, that's, that can be an intimidating thing. to do. That. He told those 120 people to go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. And we see in the book of Acts that they did. I mean, literally the whole world had heard the gospel. And we've, we've been commanded to do that same thing. And it's real easy to look at that challenge and get intimidated and say, you know what, I can't do that. This world's just too big. There's just too many people. But notice what Jesus said. Remember His words, folks. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Okay? We're not that powerful. We can't do much to make an impact and to influence people, but the Holy Spirit can. And He said, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. We have been commissioned. We've been given a job to do. And I'm afraid there's going to be many people someday, they're going to stand before God and they're going to be saved. They're going to go into heaven. But all of a sudden, they're going to be reminded about something they were commanded to do. And that was to tell others about Jesus. And they forgot that. And you know, when you get to heaven it's going to be too late to tell people about Jesus then. Now is our opportunity. Now is our chance to tell other people about Jesus. 
And listen, there's a zillion excuses that you can come up with not to do it. I know one excuse people, oh, you know, I can't win somebody to Christ or I can't go soul winning. You know, I'm not qualified. And you know, I don't want to preach a message. I'm planning on preaching the next couple of weeks, but I'm planning on preaching a message on the qualifications of a soul winner. The biblical qualifications of a soul winner. And you know what they are? It's not be saved for at least five years and go to Bible college and you know it, you know have half the Bible memorized. You know what it is? It's be saved. You know some of the best soul winners in the Bible, the woman at the well. Remember how she went? She got saved and she went and told everybody in town and brought them to Jesus. She didn't have time to go to school to learn how to be a soul winner. She didn't have time to memorize the Scriptures, but she knew who saved her and she went and told everybody else. Remember the maniac of Gadara who got saved? A demon-possessed man? He sees Christ. He gets saved. And then he wants to be a follower of Christ. And Jesus told him, no, I want you to stay here. And he went and he tells everybody in town and we see that the next time Jesus went into that town, a multitude was waiting for Him. Why? Because a one guy that had no qualifications other than that he was saved. Well, you know, how, how do I do it? You just do it. That's all there is. You just have to do it. I wish I could train you and prepare you for every single question and have, you know, you have answers for anything you could possibly be asked. But the truth is, all you have to do is just go and tell somebody. That's all there is to it. Just tell them what the Lord did in your life. Tell them how you got saved. I said, I don't want to preach all that message to you right now, but I'm afraid that people are forgetting that Jesus commanded us, He has commissioned us to go and preach the Gospel to every creature. And we need to be telling people about Christ. He said, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. That's why Jesus said He was going to be with you always. That's why He said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. I mean, that's a supernatural thing to be able to go and take the Gospel to somebody maybe who doesn't want to hear it. Maybe somebody who wasn't even thinking about it. And for that person to hear the Gospel message and to all of a sudden their heart be changed and they'll be drawn by the Holy Spirit and for them to come to that realization of their need for salvation and for them to call on the name of the Lord, that's something that you and I cannot do on our own. But with the help of Jesus Christ, with the work of the Holy Spirit, that can be done. And I don't care who you are today. I don't care what your IQ level is. I don't care how long or how short you've been saved. If you're saved, you could be a witness. You could be a great witness for God. Some of the best witnesses I've ever seen are people who just got saved. And it's like they're always bringing people to church. They're always seeing people saved because they're telling everybody. And it's like then they go to church for a while and they learn a bunch of stuff. And then they're not very good at it anymore. It's like they get intimidated by all the you know we're, you know you got to make sure you get all your terminology exactly right. You got to make sure you quote all the verses exactly right. And we we get them all scared of it by getting so technical with stuff. And people just need to go and spread the gospel. And those are words that Jesus gave. Go ye therefore. That's tough. It's a challenge. But remember, he said, "I'm with you always." Remember His words. Remember them now. Don't wait until you're in heaven to remember them. You'll remember them then, but remember them now. Also, remember these words. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 27. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 27. Now you say, well, listen, you know, what about places in the world you know, where people don't want to hear the Gospel? You know, what about places in the world where... you know? 
People will kill you sometimes. I mean, you know, what are we supposed to do? Well, the disciples, we see that they went all kinds of places where it was dangerous. Really, all of them except for John, according according to history, died martyrs' deaths. I mean, it wasn't easy for them. But you know, we've been we've been called to do something. And notice what Jesus. And I want you to remember these words: Matthew chapter ten, verse twenty-seven. Jesus said, "What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light; and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye on the housetops." You know what he's saying here? What I've been telling you privately between me and you, you take it and you make it public. You be as public as you can. Do it on the housetops, okay? And that's why we do things. You know, now nowadays we can. You know, we have the ability to get the message out even more. You know, through things like internet and radio and things that we're doing. I mean, we can we can have a pretty loud voice if we want to. So do it from the housetops. Be public about it. And then notice what he says after that. He says, "And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing?" And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword." For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I want you to notice, there's a lot said here, but Jesus said, fear not them which can kill the body. He's telling them here, there's going to be people that are going to want to stop you from spreading the Gospel. There are people that want to stop you from telling the truth. And the Bible says, don't fear them. And then He goes on to say, listen, two sparrows are sold for a farthing. Sparrows, basically, they're pretty much worthless as far as you and I are concerned. But our Father, if one falls, if one dies, He knows... And he says, you're of more value than many sparrows. That's a good verse there for the animal rights people right there. I just, that is, the Lord just gave me that. But listen, you're of more value than many sparrows. So it's like, well, you don't understand what can happen to me if I'm obedient to Christ. Well, I can tell you this, nothing's going to happen without Christ being there with you. Nothing's going to, be, nothing's going to happen to you without your Father knowing about it. And if He wants to stop it, He can stop it. And Well, what if He doesn't stop it? Well, then you're going to be there before Him in heaven. Whosoever shall confess Me before men, Him will I confess before My Father which is in heaven. I can't think of any greater honor than dying a martyr's death. I mean, there is no greater honor. Listen, I'm not looking to go out and get killed, folks. Okay, I'm not, I'm not shooting for that. But if it happens, it happens. And notice what He said. He said, fear not them. Notice also, He said, I came not to send peace but a sword. Okay? So does that mean we get to go fighting people if they don't listen to us? We can kill them like they're doing over uh, in Kenya right now, uh, like the Muslims are doing? No, no, that's not what's talking about. However, though, it is going to cause division sometimes, even in families. 
It might, it can, it'll, it can cause family problems. When you tell them the truth, when you give them the gospel, sometimes people aren't going to listen. Sometimes your own friends and your own family, they might get mad at you. They might reject you. But, the Bible says, you know, fear not them, which can kill the body. And I think it's safe to say too, if we shouldn't fill them, which can kill the body, we shouldn't even fill them, fear them, which could tell us off really good. Or just cuss us out. I mean, honestly, that's that's the worst that's happened to me. I haven't been beat up yet. Okay, I've heard spreading the gospel. I've been chewed out pretty good. I've been told some things that I can't repeat. But that's about it. And if I'm not even supposed to fear them that kill that can kill me, I don't need to fear that either. And the Bible says, "He that loveth father and mother more than me." Okay, you ought to love your parents. Okay, God's not saying don't love your parents, but the truth is, we love we should love God more. And is that even really loving your parents to let them live in a lie or to lie to them? I believe being truthful is the most sincere way you can love someone. So I don't know about that. I came not to send peace. What about John fourteen twenty seven? Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Peace. Jesus is all about peace. All right, let's get some dove symbols, you know, let's do, you know, let's all get along. But notice what Jesus said about this peace. He says, My my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, why is he talking about peace and then telling people, don't be afraid? Well, who's scared of peace, right? He's saying, the peace I'm giving you, this isn't like the world peace, okay? Which is always fake, for one thing. Okay? This peace, this is something that comes from God. This is peace between God and us. Hey, I don't have I don't have to fear the wrath of God coming upon me. He saved my soul. I've been cleansed by Christ's blood. I'm going to stand before Him someday and I'm going to be able to go to heaven because of Jesus Christ. I've been given that peace. And because of that, I don't need to be troubled or be afraid of what the world can bring our way. Because telling the, giving the Gospel, I said, thankfully in America, we still have freedom to do it for the most part. But in many places in the world, you can't do this without your life being threatened and possibly losing your life. And God said, don't fear that. Okay? While the world might be at war with us, who cares? We've got peace with God. So that peace that Jesus is all about is nothing like the peace that our politicians are talking about. It's not this fake peace. It has nothing to do with that. It's a different peace. This is peace between God and us. When Jesus said peace on the earth, goodwill toward men, He wasn't talking about all the nations coming together and all the religions coming together and all singing kumbaya together and you know, let's just all you know, hug each other and love each other. No, let's talk about peace between God and man. We've been, we're, we've been able to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And we, the way the world's going to have peace all right, is only through Christ. And you can try all the other ways. It's not going to work, and it's always fake. And that's another that's another subject. But also, we need to, we need to remember the words of the Lord Jesus: "Fear not them which kill the body. Don't be afraid." You know, during, I can see why the disciples were scared during that time. Had they forgotten those words, it looked scary. You know, it would look it would be scary. You know, if they made a law in this country, you know, you you go to church, you get caught going to church, and you're going to die. Well, that's scary. Okay, I can see, you know, if you're caught sharing the gospel, you're going to die. If you're caught with the Bible, you're going to die. That would be those would be scary times, but if we would remember the words of Jesus, 
we wouldn't need to fear, would we? We wouldn't. We would not need to fear. And and it's like I can't imagine that not being scary. Yeah, here on earth you can't imagine that. But when you get to heaven, any worry that you had here on earth, you're going to be like that was completely wasted. Why did I bother worrying? All's I, all's they did to me is got me to heaven early, and that's not a bad thing. But also we need to remember this. Look at Matthew chapter six verse thirty-one. This is something else Jesus told us. Some words we need to remember. Because we're good at worrying, boy. We are so good at worrying in America. I mean, you know, we have to invent things to get worried about. We're constantly inventing new mental illnesses that everybody has, and you know, they're all basically the same thing. We 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 invent, we invent problems in America. We really do. I mean, you know how many people today are worried and stressed out because they don't know how they're going to pay their cable bill. They don't know how they're going to pay their cell phone bill. Well, you know, a hundred years ago, people didn't worry about that one bit, did they? You know, why? they didn't have cable or cell phones or anything like that. But now we got to worry about those things, right? I mean, we got to worry about having two cars. When you know, a hundred years ago, they didn't even have cars. But we worry to death about those things now. Why? Because we invent new ways to get worried, and pretty soon they're going to make some new invention that we're all going to have to have, and it's going to get us in more financial trouble. We're going to be all stressed out about that. Why? Because we're Americans. We invent things to get worried about. That's okay. They'll invent another pill that you can take that'll help you out, you know, temporarily, and uh, they'll come up with a they'll come up with a name for it so you can feel like a victim because you've got whatever. But notice what Jesus Christ said in Matthew six thirty one. He says, "Take or therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed?" Now these are all legitimate needs he's talking about here. And when he says, take no thought, he's saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. Lost people worry about stuff like that. Okay? They lost people. Whenever you talk about the Gentiles, and he's talking about the lost, okay? The godless people. They worry about those things. But he says, but for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all things. God understands that you need to eat, folks. It's amazing how many people think God's just going to let you starve. Well, I can't give him my tithes and offerings. I'd starve to death. Yeah, because God didn't know that you were going to need to eat You know, when He gave that command. God knows what you need. Then it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We see here that we are not supposed to worry. God, if we will just focus on doing God's will... God will take care of all those other things. Many people, they don't want to serve God because they're like, you know, how am I going to have all the things I need? Man, things are tough in this world. How am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to make a living? And we worry and we obsess about these things and we don't do the will of God because we're so worried about it. And here's the thing. You know, you can, you can worry about it all you want. You can get out of the will of God. But I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what you're doing for a living. You're always going to have something to worry about. Okay, like I said, if you don't, you'll find something to worry about. That is just that is what we do as Americans. And God said, just seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, seek after God's will. If you'll make that the desire of your heart, those things that you need, okay, the food, the drink, the clothing, you'll have those things, the things you need. Okay, you might not get all the new inventions that we're inventing to give you something else to worry about, but you'll have the things that you need. God promised that, and we need to remember those words. And how many times have you been there where you thought, you know, we're we're dead, we're 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 in trouble, we're going to starve to death, we're going to end up in the poorhouse, and it didn't happen. 
God met your need. He provided whatever it was you needed, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you did promise that you were gonna take care of my needs, didn't you? And then you feel really bad for all that worrying that you did. We always remember after the fact when God is pleased. When we remember during, if during that time we're trusting in Him, during those difficult times we're still doing God's will, we're doing what we're supposed to do. That's what pleases God, and we need to remember His words. We remember the words that He said in Acts 20, verse 35. It says, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Boy, once again, I'm trying to pick on America today. But man, maybe other places like this too, but I've only ever lived in America. But boy, we sure love to receive, don't we? Boy, when it comes election time, and we go listen to those politicians, alright, who's going to give us the most? Alright, Whoever promises us the most stuff, that's the one I'm going to vote for, right? Right? Because, boy, we just love to receive. But the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. To be blessed really just means to be happy. The happier people are the ones giving, not the ones receiving. And, boy, that just it go, that works across the board. There are many people today, they go to churches looking for a church that can give them something. And those people usually aren't real happy with the church. They don't. They get mad about a lot of things. They're always nitpicking at everything. But then you got others that just come and just want to give. That just want to help. That just want to. I mean, just want to do something for somebody else. And it's like you can't. You can do no wrong for those people. I mean, no matter what, they're just. They're always happy. They're always cheerful. And I've I've seen that. I've seen that here. I saw that in my old church. That those who just want to give. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about just time, effort. Just come wanting to be an encouragement to somebody else. You can do no wrong for those people. Listen, I know. I, I you know, every once in a while I'll let my, I'll listen to some of the message I preached, and I'm just like, how did folks sit through that? That was terrible. I mean, I've I've gotten myself pretty discouraged a few times, and it's like, man. But you know, you with a lot of folks you can't tell because you know it, they weren't here so much to get something. They were here to give. And I hope you get something sometimes. But I'm, but I'm going to tell you right now, you'll be more happy if you're the one giving. If you're the one contributing. If you're the one doing something. And that is just true across the board in everything. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And if people would get a hold of that, it would make a huge difference in their life. He said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. People are forgetting that. They're wondering why they're miserable. They're wondering why they're not happy. They're, they're wondering why... You know, they're not getting anything out of church. It's because you're not giving anything. And I'm telling you right now, the biggest complainers in churches are the ones who don't do anything. And you know what? You might say, you're a terrible pastor. I've just learned not to really care. You know, if that's the case, I heard a story one time about a guy, and this isn't a true story. This is a preacher's story that we tell. But there was, there was, the pastor went and he bought four brooms. For the church, brand new brooms, nice brooms, and some guy he went in church and he saw that the pastor bought four brooms, and he said, "Man, why did he need to buy four? Oh, I don't need four brooms. What a waste of money!" And he went. He was just complaining. He was telling everybody in the church, "Man, the pastor's waste of money. Bought four brooms. We only need one, two at the most. He bought four. What's this guy doing with the money? He caused all kinds of trouble, and it got back to the pastor. Hey, brother, so and so is going around telling everybody." You're wasting money. Spend that in the brooms. And he's saying the church can't afford that. So the pastor went and talked to the treasurer. And he said, hey, 
you know, was I out of line buying those four brooms? And the church was like, no, no, the church is doing fine financially. We got everything we need. And he said, well, I know Brother So-and-so is really upset about this. And the treasurer said, well, Pastor, let me ask you this. He said, if you found out that everything you had been given, uh, that you had given in the last year had been used to buy four brooms, you'd be pretty upset too. And, and you know what? That's how it is. That really is how it is. That person who throws a quarter in the offering plate, they're gonna, they're gonna, they squawk the loudest. I don't know why that, but it's because it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. We need to remember that. And if you're miserable, if you're unhappy with everything, why don't you remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. I'm not getting anything. Well, then give something and you'll go home with the most. That's just the way it works. And that and we got that's what Jesus said. He knew what He was talking about. Also, look at John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16 and verse 33. Great verse of Scripture here. If I can find it. Pay close attention to what He said here. He says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in Me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Notice what he said. He said, in me you'll have peace, okay? We can have peace with God no matter what's going on in the world. But notice he said, in the world you shall have tribulation. Okay? So, you know, how many people have doubted God, gotten away from God when they were going through tribulations? Hard times come in their life and they're thinking, what's wrong? What's the Lord doing to me? Why am I going through hard times? You know what? You need to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, in the world you'll have tribulation. He told us, you know, he never promised that we would live a life where no bad things ever happened to us. That is nowhere in the Bible. He said, In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. These things don't have to destroy us, they don't have to defeat us. Second Timothy says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We see that as time goes on, it's going to get worse. Tribulation is going to get worse and worse. Jesus said it was going to happen. And you know what? Y'all are going to have some rough times. It's only April right now, but I guarantee you, by the end of this year, before 2015 is over, some of you are going to go through some tribulations and some hard times. Jesus said, in the world, you shall have tribulation. So, why do we, get, why do we doubt God all the time whenever we're going through tribulations? He told us we were going to have tribulations. We're just like the disciples, aren't we? Jesus said I'm going to be delivered in the hands of sinful men and they're going to kill me. And three days later, I'm going to rise again. But they were so focused on that hard time that they were in, they forgot the promise of what was about to come. And sometimes we get focused so much on the tribulation that we're in, we forget that He's overcome the world. That in the end, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it. We're going to survive. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Well, now, why would He say, let not your heart be troubled? Well, because before that, He talked about some bad things that were going to come. He said, but then He went on to say, if you believe in God, believe also in Me. He told them, I go to prepare a place for you. And He said, I'm going to come again 
and receive you unto Myself. So listen, whatever's going on in this world, we might be in that time period like those three days where Christ was in the grave. It's going to feel like that sometimes. We might be right smack in it right now, but let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is going to return someday. He promised that He was going to come back. He said it was things were going to get difficult. He said in the world we were going to have tribulation, but He's coming back for us. And you know what? Let's remember His words right now. Let's not remember His words after it's said and done like the disciples did. We'll all remember these words when Jesus Christ returns and takes us to heaven. Oh, yeah, I thought we were done for, but yeah, Jesus did tell us this was going to happen, didn't He? Let's remember it right now and let's be of good cheer right now just like He kept His promise back then and did the impossible. He rose from the dead. Let's believe that He will keep the other promises that He made about what we're going through right now. And if you're in that dark time, just remember the words of the Lord Jesus. So with that, let's all stand together.